I should be so fulfilled. What is wrong with me? Because if you want to see success, you have to be willing to, to put yourself in the position of success. Welcome to the most valuable fucking show you're going to listen to all week. This is Unfuck My Business. Welcome back to the Unfuck My Business show. I'm your host, Chris Delaney, here with my co-host, Jenks. What's up, my friend? What's up, people? Today, we have an interview queued up for you and very excited about this one. We actually have a member of our team over at CORE, Hala. We got Danielle Laura in the house. I want to share with you all a little bit about her, what makes her a badass, and why I was so excited to have her part of our team. So Danielle Laura is a two-time international best-selling and award-winning author, advisor, energy and relationship expert who works with conscious leaders, celebrities, and power couples around the globe. She levitates. She's the owner and founder of several businesses that changed the way we heal, educate, and learn. Prior to leaving the corporate world, Danielle's career was a continual progression of leadership in the medical field through her roles in nursing, counseling, and then she was a CEO of a medical center, giving her a keen understanding and awareness of high-performance habits for success. Danielle's mission is to guide visionary leaders in embodying their zones of genius, taking a holistic approach of how the conscious, energetic, spiritual, and physical parts of you can work in unison for your highest good in order to thrive and positively affect humanity. Danielle holds a master's degree in counseling and bachelor's in health science, and she is right here with us today. Danielle, what is going on? What's up, Chris and Jinx? Thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. We get, we've known you one way, but now we get to know you a multitude of other ways. So now we get to get into the nitty gritty. So give us a three to five minute down low of, of you, what you're all about, and anything you think that the audience should know. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, in my private work, I work with a lot of conscious thought leaders, celebrities, power couples, like you stated. I really help them master the connection essentially between their energy, their intuition, and their relationships so that they can really have the sovereign success and the deep fulfillment that they really desire. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about you know, your journey, though. Tell us about like, where you came from, what you've got going into in terms of uh, how the progression. Obviously, your career is very impressive. Tell us about how you got there. What did you do? What was your journey like? Yeah. So growing up, I was always that classic overachiever, high performer. I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a pediatric oncologist. That was the road I was on. So everything from middle school, high school, college, grad school, and into my corporate career was on track for that, to reach the pinnacle of success as fast as possible and help change the world. Like if you asked me at 14 what I wanted to do, I said, I want to change the world and I want to help people heal. And so that was what my whole track was essentially. So in undergrad, I majored in health science and then went straight into graduate school while I was also working full-time in nursing and while I was getting my counseling degree, did the counseling thing for a little while in family and marriage therapy, as well as clinical counseling in a hospital. So I also worked with clinical patients in an oncology type of setting. And then I ended up taking on the role of a CEO of a medical center and went into the administrative and more corporate side of the medical field as well until basically I felt like my soul was dying. So I had to do some soul searching and kind of went into my spiritual awakening of sorts, like I call it, and really discovered what I really want to do and what I'm really passionate about and where I feel led to go. Made some really tough decisions and went into the unknowns of entrepreneurship. And then here we are a little over three years later as a full-time entrepreneur. So that's a very abridged version, but feel free 
to have me expand on anything. I definitely have some questions here. I, I have a number of friends who are women in executive leadership positions, and a lot of them, I think, share similar sort of very driven type A personality sort of backstories. But you almost like really glossed over, you fell into being a CEO. I mean, it's that's not really how that kind of thing happens. So can you tell us a little bit more about how that did happen? Absolutely. Before that, I was working as a clinical counselor. I had started a program and I was working in pediatric oncology at that point helping people, helping particularly kids and their families understand and, and overcome the challenges that essentially that, that has on the entire family, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, educationally for the children as they're going back to school and trying to assimilate back into a normal life. And the program got cut. It got canceled because you know it was a quote unquote luxury program. It didn't make the hospital money. So unfortunately it couldn't be funded anymore. So at that point I was angry. I was like, this is ridiculous that people can't get the help that they truly, truly need beyond just the physical. And so I was determined. I went, I went and applied to every job humanly possible all over the United States, executive jobs, because I was determined to get in a position where I could call the shots and really change things in the medical field and incorporate also the psychological and emotional and physical all in one to really have a holistic approach for people to heal in the ways that they really need to beyond just the physical, because I felt like there was a huge gap there. So I applied to all these places, honestly, didn't really expect to have a chance because at the time I was only 25 years old. And so I was like, okay, well, whatever, I'm determined. So I did, I applied to all of these places. I ended up having an interview at one place, actually several interviews. I had no prior executive experience. However, I was, like I said, extremely determined. So I made an entire proposal after the first meeting, understanding what the physician owner of the facility really had for their vision, where they had been, where they wanted to go. And I came up, I said, okay, can I, can I meet with you again on Friday? This was a Wednesday and give you a full proposal on where I think I can help take this facility and where I can really help you reach the goals for the medical facility and for the quality of patient care that I really feel is necessary here. I didn't know any better. I just thought maybe this would give me a chance. And so they were a little surprised. I said, sure. Yeah. We'll meet back on Friday at 4 PM. So I did, I came up with this full blown proposal on how we could expand the practice, how we could become the best in the area and how we could exponentially increase quality of patient care as well as increase budget and increase profit ultimately as well. So I came back. They were really impressed with it. They ended up after that, waiting a few days, called me back and offered me the position. And apparently no one else had done that. There were a lot of older executives who applied for the job, who had a lot of experience, but what they were looking for was kind of a fresh and innovative mind who was going to take things in a new direction. And that is what I brought at my young age with my passion and determination. And I believe that that is ultimately what allowed me to get the position. That's extraordinary. I mean, are we talking, you know, like a small clinical practice or what kind of business was this? It was an outpatient medical facility. So we had several different practices within the facility in several different locations. Wow. Okay. So fairly sizable business then. That is truly an incredible story. Thank you. Uh, I think part of the, you know, trying to understand that for myself a little better and part of the reason why I'm trying to dig in, we had a previous guest who discussed some of the issues with women in executive management, pay disparity and things along that line. And I've heard a lot of takes on this and I always like to get fresh takes whenever possible. But can you tell us a little bit about, did you experience 
additional obstacles because you were a woman? Or did you encounter disparities in pay? Or, or did you find that you had to work harder to overcome certain sexist presuppositions about you? I mean, can you tell us a little more about that? Absolutely. I definitely had to overcome a lot. One, I was a woman and one, I was very young. I was about 20 years younger than all of the other executives in my field. And so there were, I felt like it was kind of a double whammy against me. I was also new to the organization. This was a 19-year-old established medical facility. So there were a lot of employees there who thought that they kind of had a shoe in. So for me, I feel like it was three targets on my back, being new, being an outsider, so to speak, being a woman and being young. And so there was a lot of proving myself that I had to do. I was constantly questioned. I felt like I was constantly in positions where I did have to prove myself and know that I wasn't just this young girl that I actually was intelligent, that I actually knew what I was doing, and that I actually really could put together things that were going to have the, the results that we really wanted to have. Especially when you're around the medical community of a lot of physicians, male physicians at that. You know, I had to lead board meetings and medical management meetings where they didn't, I don't think, took me seriously at first. So it was really a matter of having to really, really be extremely professional and very to the point, that's another thing, you know, in the medical field is they don't want fluff. They don't want you to waste their time. And so as women, we typically like to be very detailed. Most of us, you know, we like to give the full array of the picture and spectrum of things. So I felt like I was cut off quite a bit, but it made me have to be extremely succinct and intentional with everything that I was saying and doing. And so I think that there was a lot stacked against me, so to speak, but I'm so grateful for it because it allowed me to really grow in my business knowledge, particularly really quickly in ways that I wouldn't have if I didn't have those challenges towards me. A lot gets said about you know communication styles and there's like the DISC communication style assessment and all the rest of these things. You really touched on having to sort of learn to navigate different communication styles between how you approached it and how some of these executives approach it. How did you bring that knowledge into your own consulting practice? That's a great question. So Essentially, I learned how to communicate very distinctly with every, every type of the DISC profile. So learning how to communicate with the physicians versus the staff versus the different type of technicians that we had, clinicians, practitioners, so on and so forth. I really was able to bring that into my consulting business because I'm able to understand somebody exactly where they are and meet them where they are and be able to communicate and help them get to the next level that they need to based on how they need to understand and hear what it is that I'm saying. I could say the same thing to three different people and they're going to totally get different messages because of the way they understand and or communicate. So it's really important and ultimately helps you and the client reach greater levels of success when you can speak in a way that they can understand you and in a way that is going to kind of soothe their learning process and the way that they process information as well. So you can make quicker decisions and decisions that are with more conviction than having to go in circles around trying to explain and re-explain things that could have been easily put differently the first time. Absolutely. Love that. So here's an interesting you know, thought process. So here's a, here's a woman who is in her mid-20s, approaching 30, in what perceivably is top of the mountain, right? Huge medical center, probably making dollar bills, getting paid really well, being able to do something. You said you want to get there to affect change. Mm-hmm. Was that the case for you? What was the reality of finding yourself at a place where you're supposed to be able to affect change as a CEO? And I know that you had this really deep-seated mission of curing, healing, being able to be there for the families and the children that you were working with. What was the reality of that? And what made you leave that career? I was definitely able to affect a lot of subtle change at a local level, so to speak. 
However, everything in medicine is governmentally run and reported to. So there's a lot of red tape. And so you can think that you're doing as much as you can and making all of these changes. But at the end of the day, if it's not going to be approved, it's not going to be approved. Too bad, so sad. What your amazing idea is to help the patients and have a higher quality of patient care, it doesn't really matter at a certain point. Your hands do get tied. And so that was the thing to me that was, it was kind of this disillusionment that was happening. And I was getting a little bit jaded because I was seeing that the hardcore reality of it in medical administration and business, it all comes down to numbers and what is going to have the highest medical reimbursement rates. And so I went from this position thinking I was going to really be able to affect change and implement all of these things that were going to radically help the quality of patients and their experience. However, it all came down to numbers. And so that was one of those things where I couldn't fathom just continuing to do like medical budgets and what's going to fit in here and pretend like that was going to make me happy when that wasn't the whole reason why I was in that position or why I thought I was going to be able to be in that position. And so it really was this coming to Jesus meeting moment for me after several months of feeling disillusioned by all of these things I was trying to put through and we just couldn't. And I remember just looking out of my office window over the city and thinking, oh my God, I have everything I've ever wanted. I worked so hard to get here. I should be so happy. I should be so fulfilled. What is wrong with me? And I thought it was me. I just thought it was an issue with myself. I thought maybe I'm just never going to be happy. Maybe I'm just always going to be wanting the next thing and that's never going to satisfy. So I went on this really deep journey within to discover like, what is wrong with me, right? Is there something wrong with me or is something missing here? Am I really just maybe not in my ultimate calling? Is there a different thing? Is there a different way that I can still positively affect the change that I deeply believe in, in the healing modalities without having the red tape of the government behind everything that I'm doing. And so that was a several months process of deep diving into who I am, what I really want, what I feel called to do before I finally took the leap, gave a four month notice, cleaned up everything, hired my replacement, did everything I could possibly do while building my business on the side so that when I left corporate, I went headfirst into my business and have been headfirst ever since. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. So behind every person that we see that's successful, in my opinion, there's always life experience too. And I know that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like you make a decision and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to leave this job. I'm presumably thinking it's going to pay you a six-figure salary. You said you had everything that you desired and you were supposed to be happy. What are some obstacles on a personal level you had to overcome? And what are some tough decisions? I think of it as what I call cost of commitment. There's a cost to all things. And in there are things like relationships and physical, mental, emotional and financial, you know, things that we need to think about before we make a decision. How did you work through that? And what are some things that you had to go through in order to like really, you know, free yourself from that? So I knew going into it that I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship, so to speak. I mean, I was running this other medical business and I thought if if I'm working this hard for somebody else's success, there is no fucking way I'm not going to be successful on my own. First fuck word. Thank you. And that, that was something that I knew that I didn't have all the answers, but I was willing to find out. So I invested heavily in business mentors and strategists to help me understand what I needed to know to start my business. And I started it in the online space so that I could have the freedom to be able to live wherever I wanted and have my business. Because I knew at that time I didn't want to live in this small Southern town that I was living in anymore. 
So I became really, really strategic and I invested heavily in people that I know could help me shortcut my learning curves and help me reach the success in a quicker period of time. Because to me, average isn't okay. And I'm not okay with average. I'm not satisfied with that. So I wanted to have the greatest success as quickly as possible. I didn't want to have to fail forward for 10 years before I was able to have success in my business. So yeah, again, I invested a lot. I did a lot of soul searching and I did a lot of things that were extremely uncomfortable. I had to learn essentially the entire online digital space, which I knew nothing about. I, I say a lot, I'm like a Mima with technology. So that was a real challenge for me. There were a lot of days in the beginning of my business where I wanted to throw my computer out the window or just like shave my head, like have a Britney Spears <laughs> moment. I don't even know. But there was, yeah, there was a lot of that. But it was really important to me as the owner of my business and anything that I did in the future to know how to do these roles and understand what it takes so that when I was able to hire a team, I knew how to vet them what the key performance indicators were and how long it was going to take. And also ultimately how I could really appreciate them because of all of the hours that I spent doing the things that were horrible in my mind. And obviously it's different for everyone, but you know, what, how long do you think that learning curve took before you started to feel comfortable in that space? I would say a year after several months, I began to get more and more comfortable, but until I felt like super comfortable, like I could do it with the back of my hand, even though I didn't like doing it, I would say about a year. And I think for a lot of people, when you think about the the length of a year as a commitment to something, you know, most of us, whatever goal we're trying to reach, whether it's, you know, losing weight or getting fitter or what, you know, any of the time, the things that we want to do and improve in our life, if we actually spent a dedicated year really working hard at them, we'd probably, you know, see some meaningful gains. That's a good time frame to have in mind. That's a really good point, Chris. And I, I tell people that a lot. I say really remain dedicated to your vision, but flexible in your approach because things inevitably are not going to go exactly how you think they're going to go, especially in your first year in business. So allow yourself to pivot and be flexible and innovative as you need to. And I think that's been one of the other keys to allowing me to flourish quickly rather than taking a lot of years potentially. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Just me being the high achiever, high performer, type A personality, I want to get there as quickly as possible the right way and do it right the first time. So you, you spent your time building your side hustle into your business today. You've been in business for about three years. And from what I understand and what I know to be true is you work with some A-list celebrities and some people that otherwise value a lot of privacy. And you also work in an area that for many people, there's a lot of questions. I had a ton of questions when I first met you about how this really impacts me, my life, my business, and my journey. And that's this understanding of energetics. And for most people, they're like, what are you smoking? What's that woo thing all about, right? And I've gotten an appreciation of it because it's becoming a hot topic recently. A lot of human optimization. There's more discussions around people like Wim Hof. Aubrey Marcus is a big one who talks about this as well. That's really out there with this discussion. For those who don't know what energetics is, what would you say to the layman who has no idea what you're talking about? How do I connect that back to me? Sure. So energetics essentially is the study of energy and how we, how we process energy through our bodies. So understanding our energetic blueprint, essentially another word for that is self-mastery. It's understanding how you not only just work best and operate, but how you thrive in your ultimate energetic blueprint. And when we understand ourselves, when you understand you and master you, your light, your shadow, everything in between there, and not only accept, but celebrate every part of you 
and bring that into alignment with whatever you're doing in any domain of your life, but in this case, business, that's when you're really able to thrive more quickly and more potently because you're coming at it with the energy of you know who you are and what you're doing. So you're able to make decisions quicker with more bold conviction and everything else as a result flourishes as well. Your relationships, your income, your health, every part of you. When you know you intimately and accept you, that's when you're able to know how you work best so that you can actually implement that in your life and live your life accordingly. And I've, I've heard you talk in the past about some of these core truths. Is that the kind of thing that you're talking about here? Yeah. So understanding mastering you comes down to mastering who you are at your core. So your core truths, values, and beliefs. And I've seen so many people go through life not knowing what those are and not knowing what they really believe or what their values are. But when you know that, not only just know that, but master that and have a grounded boundaries around that, then you're able to discern very quickly what is or is not for you. And ultimately in business, you got to make quick decisions. And you have to know what is for you and what isn't for you. So you don't waste time, energy, resources, and everything else. And you can get it right, hopefully, the first time. Not that everything's going to be perfect the first time around, but being able to pivot accordingly because you know what works for you versus what doesn't. I've I've looked a lot. I mean, I've, I've been personally digging into this concept of radical vulnerability. And part of that starts with digging into who you really are and why. And I think so many of us tend to lead lives on autopilot. I've heard both you and Chris talk quite a bit about intentionality in this, but starting with that deep self-honesty fundamentally has to be at the center of that. But I wonder along the way, I mean, you talk about how hard you worked and, and all of the, the things that you went through to get to those places You know, is part of establishing your core truths, really taking a look back and seeing what your path has cost you along the way? 100%. Because when I was working my butt off, working three jobs, anywhere from 70 to 100 hours a week, completely depleted and burnt out and out of the hospital for stress-related issues, I was not in alignment with my core truths, values, or beliefs. And I didn't even know what they were, as a matter of fact. So now looking back in hindsight, where does that leave you? Depleted, exhausted, wanting to give up a lot of times. So now, for example, having mastered this for myself, and this is what I help a lot of my clients achieve as well, is you can do things in a state of flow where it doesn't feel like you have to do. It's not this forced thing that you get depleted and burnt out around, but rather it's like you're, you're excited to do it because it's coming from the, from a deep part of you. It's what I say is like, it's like you're calling. You feel so compelled to do this thing because it is so innate to who you are that you're able to do it with greater potency and in less time. So burnout, depletion, people pleasing, making decisions that are not in your highest good, all of that becomes a thing of the past. And that's a, that's a big thing. People pleasing, ultimately, what does that lead to? It leads to self-betrayal. You are saying no to something that you need or want for the greater good of somebody else. And while we think that's the most selfless thing to do, that actually is what destroys us internally. That is what, that is what takes over our body with stress and leaves us completely depleted. And in, in a kind of in a martyr's type of syndrome, I do all of this for everybody else, uh, you know, and a lot of women understand and feel that because women are expected to carry a lot as mothers, as wives, as business women, as every, you know, whatever it is that you are or do that level of responsibility, I see really to be really strong, particularly in women and that, that being prone to burnout is a big thing. 
So how do we combat that is becoming fiercely grounded in the truth of all that we are and what we need and having the boundaries in place to protect that. That's what's going to allow us to be in a state of flow and give because there's an overflow rather than being completely burned out. How do you reconcile that? Or, or I don't know, maybe it's not reconcile. Maybe it's a redefinition, but I'm personally, am someone who is, you know, defined by acts of service. So I'm always saying yes and always trying to help and always doing those things and trying to be the ear. How do you strike the balance point and say, okay, this is too much that I'm giving away. You know, I need to hold back some for myself. So putting that through the filter of how this is going to affect you at the end. So for example, if you take on, you know, two extra calls this week or help with two extra projects or whatever, but you still have time to do whatever it is that you need for you to recharge and refuel, great, beautiful, give of yourself for sure. If this is going to whatever thing you're about to commit to, is this going to stress you out or take away from your life and being able to recharge so you can show up in the fullness of all that you are for whatever it is that you're doing? then that would be a level of self-betrayal. So I always say, putting it through the filters of, is this self-betrayal or self-loyalty? And if I'm self-betraying in this moment, what is the cost down the line that that's going to have for me? Is it gonna be burnout? Is it gonna be depletion? Is it going to be sacrificing time with my family or loved ones? Is it going to be sacrificing the one thing that refuels me? Or is this self-loyal? Is by making this decision something that is going to help me be the highest level version of me in whatever else that I'm doing? That's strong. I think it's really interesting too, because I know that when I first met you, we were discussing energetics and we were discussing this whole entire aspect of, you know, one of the reasons I listened to you, right? We, we talked in a previous episode about who do you listen to? And my filter was, you know, what's this person's background, the background of yours in the Western medicine field and your discussion of these things. I wanted to talk to somebody who's grounded in the approach because everyone else I talked to about energy was wearing like hemp clothing, didn't have a job and was telling people they were life coaches. And there's no way I could connect to that. You know, I needed somebody who was in a blazer and a t-shirt at an event to say the word meditation before I believed in it. And then I said like, dude, what's the secret? And he was just like, catch your breath for five minutes. And I was like, but what's the secret? just keep breathing. And so I did that. And he's like, just call me when you do it once. And I'd never to that point spent time away from other people doing the thing to get to my own sense of centeredness, I guess. And we had a, a great conversation with Jen Madsen about this, getting mindful, I guess, that, that idea of intentionality. So what you helped me with, which was, which was a blessing for me, was perpetually creating this sense of opportunity. I would create opportunities for myself all the time since I became an entrepreneur. There was always one more thing that I could do and stuff into a really narrow window of time. And then what would happen is ultimately I'd wake up one day and I would feel exhausted. My body would be sore. And then my relationship suffered because I'd be like, well, fuck these people. They want everything from me and nobody's doing anything for me. I expected the return of that. And so you helped me recognize that pattern of I give energy to others. That's what I'm meant to do. And in that process, if I feel like I give it all the time but never recharge myself, I end up at a place where I actually look at people in a way thinking that they are intentionally just taking from me. Mm. And so when I learned how to look at that pattern and to reflect on it and to recognize when it would show up and being more mindful, it's not perfect, right? But knowing when it shows up, being able to do something like, hey, I need to take a day off. I need to like literally get away from this for a minute, just chill. Maybe I just need to let my brain go somewhere else. You know, something as simple as going to the beach or just having conversations that aren't predicated on like, hey, we got to do business right now. Let's just talk about some shit. You know what I mean? That was a huge benefit for me 
But for you, Danielle, like how did, how did you learn how to do this? With that deep, practical, empirical background of yours as a scientist, as a nurse, how did you begin to accept a concept like this and be willing to go on the journey of understanding, like a, this worthwhile venture of like, this is great. I'm, I'm interested in learning more about this. And how did you reconcile that with that very empirical brain of yours? That's a great question, Chris. So essentially, I had to have a, a coming to Jesus meeting with myself and realize, okay, what I'm doing, the Western world of medicine and, and what I'm doing isn't working. It's leaving me completely depleted and burnt out. So what else is out there? I'm going to discover what else is out there. And so I became really intrigued with the study of energetics. I ended up becoming a certified Reiki master. I don't do that so much anymore, but that really opened me up to the understanding of vibration and energy. And so if you, if you think of, I'm sure you can probably relate, like going into a room where maybe somebody just had an argument and just feeling like the energy of the room is tense. You just want, you can just feel it, right? Or if you're around somebody in particular and you, you feel that they're so happy and joyous, and then you kind of start becoming happy and joyous too, because you feel that from them. That's all energy. So understanding that other people's energy, the vibration essentially that they're emitting, the frequency they're emitting is affecting you because we are all energetic beings. So understanding how to ground and protect and cleanse your own energy is the very thing. And how I began to do that was through meditation and becoming consciously aware in every single moment around what was mine versus what wasn't. So for example, if I was great 10 minutes ago and I was feeling centered and awesome in my own world and all of a sudden I come in contact with you, Chris, and all of a sudden my mood changes and I'm feeling like some sort of way and I'm like grumpy or irritated or whatever, I know in that moment I have taken on your energy because I was consciously aware to the fact that before that I wasn't feeling that way. And so we are all inundated with the energy of each other, of the collectively, of the world, especially right now with everything going on. We don't need to go into specifics there, but we feel energy. We are essentially vibrational creatures. I know this might seem a little out there, but, but coming from the medical standpoint of Western medicine and hard empirical data, I just kept feeling like they're, they're, we're missing something here. What is the missing link? And for me, it was the energetic portion of that. It was understanding how my energy actually works, how my energy is affected by others, and then really mastering the energetics of my business and understanding what I particularly needed. And this is unique to every single person, but what you need individually in order to thrive. So for example, some people thrive best when they're working in large teams of people. Some people thrive best when they work alone. Some people thrive best in the morning. Some people thrive best at night. Some people thrive when they eat and some people thrive when they're fasting, right? These are all aspects and there's so many more that I could go into, but there's so many aspects that make up who you be at your core that we're just not taught. Simply, we just don't know what we don't know. So exploring all of those individual facets and how they have an effect on the wholeness of who you are in any domain of your life, but for this case, business that's when you're able to have that ultimate peak performance. And I think ultimate competitive advantage when you can understand that about yourself and implement those things into your world so that you can thrive. You've talked a lot about authenticity and, and that's a subject very near and dear to my heart. 
I, I want to talk a little bit about how you express authentically on social media. I know there's lots of rules that are put out there all the time for how people should be. And I basically take that list of rules as I'm going to do the opposite of this um, generally. And I think I've demonstrated, you know, a level of unfilteredness, if not authenticity online that a lot of people are uncomfortable with sometimes. But I mean, lately, as I've been exploring more and more deep personal concepts and even some painful stuff, I've gotten so much positive feedback from people saying, thank you for sharing this. Thank you for being this honest. Thank you for demonstrating this in some certain way. What are your rules of authenticity in social media? My rules of authenticity in social media is following my energy. What do I feel led to share right now? Share it. The end. There's no, there's no really, there's no rules. And I, and this, I had to work through that though, Jinx, because I, especially coming in the service-based industry, I began in the coaching field, which is very like, oh, A plus B equals C. They, they give you all the rules and whatever that you're supposed to follow and all of these things. And I did. And it didn't feel authentic to me. It felt so forced and it didn't feel real. And I, I wasn't connecting with it anymore. So I went from this thing that, oh, I love doing to, oh God, I have to freaking do this. And I do not <laughs> want to do anything that I feel like I have, I'm forced to do. That is the part of like the feminine energy within me, which is the energy of intuition, of flow, of creativity that wants to feel free. And I found that so many people, I would say the majority of people have two core feelings that they want to feel. They want to feel free and they want to feel connected. And in order to do that, you have to know who you are, which means becoming raw and real with every part of you, the greatest parts of you, the perceived horrible parts of you, the things that you don't want to acknowledge. I like to call this the light and the shadow side of you and not just owning it, but like not just accepting it about yourself, but, but loving it, like fiercely loving it and celebrating it about yourself. Because when you can celebrate you, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter if people disagree or they're so offended by what, by you just expressing the vulnerable parts of you. And that will happen because not everybody can handle that level of vulnerability. But Jinx, you brought up earlier this concept of radical vulnerability, which I so deeply agree with, resonate with, and I preach a lot to my clients about. We think we have to be radically honest, but radical honesty oftentimes hurts people because people can't handle the hard truth because it does hurt, right? If you've heard the phrase, the truth hurts, yeah, it does. It really does. And not everybody is equipped to go to those messy places. But when we lead with radical vulnerability and we put our shield down and we put our sword down and we just say, this is me, and we open up our hearts to potentially get slain, right? But it's okay because we, that's when we connect with people. That's when they feel, oh, this is a real human. I totally get that. Oh my God, I had a day like that the other day, right? And it allows them to then be safe in who they are. So when we create safety within ourselves, it ripple effects into everyone else who hears our message, whether they choose to accept that in that moment or not. I think that those are deep seated roots that we're planting for everyone else to feel more safe and authentic in expressing who they really are, because we're showing it's safe to do so. And I'm not going to judge you. And let's all just be who we really are so we can have what we really want. So I'm going to throw something out here that I think is really, really important, which is as I've gotten to know you, as you built your business and I've gotten to witness this firsthand, you have a, let's use the word radical, a radically fanatic referral base for your business. And one of the things I loved about that is so many people are caught up in the metrics and the engagement and all the bullshit that's out there. But the reality is it's all about who really desires what you have. 
Are they getting results from it? Are they able to experience a quality of life shift in their business and their life? And I know last year you had something in the realm of almost 500 referrals come your way. Yeah. And in that process, many of these are, like we mentioned before, A-list celebrities, people that otherwise would be very private about what they want to be out there in the world, right? How did you develop that sense of just loyalty and also this business that continually knocks on your door without you having to do this massive push in marketing and having to go out there and hustle you know, your way to that aspect? I would narrow that down to two main things. I would say first is being exceptional at what you do honing in your craft. What do you need to do to become the best and to be able to facilitate whatever result it is that your client really wants and become the best at that? You don't have to do 80,000 things. Do one or two things and become the expert on that so you're the go-to person. And two is creating, like I never see my clients as just, oh, these numbers who are paying me. I see each and every single one of them and treat them as though they are my best friend. I talk to them like they're my best friend. I give them real talk. I don't just sugarcoat things and I don't just tell them what they want to hear. I can be super lighthearted and let's joke with the best of them and give you the loving ass kicking that you need. And I think that realism and that just seeing you and meeting you exactly as you are where you are and seeing into the depths of who you be without having you try to be anyone else apparently that's rare. So when people, when people experience that, they want to tell everyone else they know about it. And that's why I was able to build an amazing referral-based business just on me being me. And that, that was with zero marketing, by the way, zero outward marketing, just word of mouth referrals. And I think there is something so special when you care genuinely, like I can say from the pit of my soul, if you are in my life, I genuinely deeply care about you and want your highest good. And when you come from a purity of heart and the the purity of that intentional energy, people feel it because it is so different from what they're used to. So I would attribute it probably to those two things, Chris, really becoming the expert in what you are doing and be deeply, genuinely caring, seeing people as people, as souls in front of you rather than just a number or a way to make money. And I love that concept because just before you were telling Jinx about this idea of, of radical vulnerability and radical truth. And the difference between the two, because there's a difference between, you know, shitting on somebody's parade and just saying, here's the truth, deal with it, versus really being able to connect with somebody in those core realms of this is life, let me connect with you on this. And I think that, you know, many people in that space of coaching or consulting or in the, the advising space, they really want to be seen as that expert, like look up to me versus me connecting with you and meeting you where you're at. And I think that that could be really detrimental in the growth of their practice. But I think one of the things that I also hear from you is that referral base also was contingent upon, most importantly, a result that somebody received. And so it wasn't like, hey, let me give you some ideas that you can just kind of float around with and inspire you with this, with memes and whatever. There was really a core product there that somebody experienced and they said, I'm going to tell somebody about this and I absolutely want them. I mean, people are buying, you know, slots for friends and family and, and, and some other things as well. That requires somebody to really be blown away in today's world about something that you're offering them. What would you attribute that to? Kind of like I said a few minutes ago, really honing your craft, becoming the expert at what it is that you're doing. It's amazing to be a cool, nice person, but people aren't going to just go to a cool, nice person for a result. They're going to go to the person that's going to be able to get them the result, right? If I have to have heart surgery, I don't just want like a nice, friendly doctor. I want the doctor who's going to be able to facilitate an amazing heart transplant and not have any other issues, right? So when you can have both, that's even better. 
And so I think, again, just go back to wherever you are in your own life, become the expert at what you're doing, doing it over and over and over, trying different methods, trying different modalities and seeing what works and then honing that to the point of expertise. And if you can do that and you can facilitate a life-changing result or what, it doesn't even have to be life-changing, but facilitating the result that your client wants, you'll always be in business. Love that. And before we hop into the lightning round, I have one more question for you, which I think would be great, which is how do you measure success? And what does success really mean to you? And how do you define it both in life and in business? So I measure success via my understanding of the cost of commitment that it's going to have on me, on my energy, on my time, on my resources. And is this something that I'm going to love doing enough to be able to get a return on investment? So how I make any of those decisions, I put them right against my core truths, values, and beliefs. Is this something that I believe to be in alignment with me? Is this something that I want to invest in? Am I going to receive a return on my investment? And that doesn't necessarily mean monetarily. For me, I'm actually not driven by money as much as I'm driven by passion and energy and connection with people. So it, what, is, what is my return going to be on this? And if it, if it is one of those things, then I measure success accordingly. And that might look different in whatever endeavor that I'm doing. But the biggest thing is I put it all against my core truths, values, and beliefs. Is this an alignment or not? If it is, great. I know that the end result is going to be great because I'm making an intentional decision. That level of freedom that's created by that in personal experience is fucking magical. Because when you're sitting there talking to somebody, you're not thinking about what's this person want from me? Where are we going with this? And you've actually thought about these things you can truly see somebody for who they really are and be seen for who you really are and have a great fucking conversation. I love talking to strong people who aren't showing up with this insecure, needy energy with an agenda. So it's been refreshing to talk to you. And as somebody who's, as she said earlier, the, the complete strategic advantage, competitive advantage in your business, you know, being open to saying like, listen, how's this going to help? I'm open to it because if you want to see success, you have to be willing to, to put yourself in the position of success. And so as somebody who's gone through the process with Danielle, I can tell you that using these tools and these little modalities that she teaches you, decision after decision after decision becomes so much more rapid. And that's really the biggest cost, right? I, I always say that the cost of time is the most expensive thing, not necessarily money. And that's huge. So I love it. I could talk about this all day long. We're going to have to do a future episode just like with, with Jennifer as well, a couple hours. But I know Jenks is ready for this lightning round. So I'm going to let him take it away from here. <laughs> All right. So fast and furious. We'll go through this. Don't think too hard about it. Just give us your top of the head answer. What's your cocktail of choice? Margarita, no salt. Ooh, no salt. We can't be friends. (laughs) What's your go-to de-stress method? Meditation and writing. Absolutely. Writing for me is huge. Apple or PC? Apple. We have a trend going so far. Peanut butter, smooth or crunchy? Neither. I'm deathly allergic and I would die. So I choose life. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have an alternate peanut butter uh, replacement for sandwiches? No, I don't. I just stay away from anything and everything that could throw me into an allergic reaction. Oh, that's so sad. What's your favorite insult? So I don't believe in insulting people, but I'll go with a Southern phrase, right? Which is bless it. (laughs) (laughs) Bless your heart is probably one of the sweetest Southern backhanded insults I have ever heard. It sounds so caring, but it means, ooh, you really need some extra love and guidance. Well, and bless it. And you got to like draw out the words. It's like even worse than bless your heart. It's like one step even worse than that. For the undercover fuck you to the Yankee in the room, you know what I mean? 
<laughs> I, I missed one question that was highly requested to obviously you work with celebrities. So rapid fire, what is the dumbest hoop you had to jump through to work with a celebrity? Dumbest hoop. Okay. So I wouldn't say there's been any dumb hoops, but I can share a really out there kind of story that, that a client asked me to do, to do for them. Do it. And again, it's kind of out there. Just go with me. So a lot of my clients I work with on subconscious and unconscious reprogramming and healing and the energy that then gets stored in your body and meridian centers as a result of previous trauma. So one of my clients, one of my celebrity clients asked me if I would be on call during the birth of her child. She's going to have a home birth because she didn't want as she's in stress, her body is literally in stress birthing this child. She didn't want her stress to be carried into the consciousness of her newborn baby. And she wanted me to be there on call and available to energetically release and help her process any trauma that she is feeling, making sure to the best of our ability that this baby isn't going to have any sort of trauma that is going to be inflicted at birth, that they're going to then carry into their subconscious or unconscious body and affect them maybe when they're 25. So she, you know, sounds kind of out there, but it was actually such an amazing moment for me to witness and be a part of like the life and the soul of this baby being born and helping it be this natural type of birth where there wasn't trauma involved and there wasn't pain that either one mom or baby was going to have to store. So I say, Hey, I would have never thought of offering that or anything on my own, but Hey, when people ask you, you meet them where they're at. If it's something you can facilitate. Awesome. That's a pretty dope story. So where can people connect with you, Danielle? What's the social media handles that you don't use? <laughs> the email, the website, where can people go to find you the best? Sure. So my website is danielle-laura.com. Email is danielle at danielle-laura.com. And on social media, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is underscore danielle-laura underscore. And Facebook is at danielle-laura coaching. And then you have uh, the two books that came out. What are the names of those that came out last year that were pretty hot and heavy for you? Um, one is called Dear Love, I'm Ready for You. And the other is called Unleashing Her Wild. Awesome. You can pick that up on Amazon, right? Yep, sure can. Perfect. Love it. Well, super grateful for you to be on the show today and for you to be sharing you know, your points of views and, and how knowledgeable you are. And also the fact that you don't give a fuck what people think enough to do this and bring it to the world and share your truth. And I, I very much respect that, honor that. And again, thank you so much. Plus, I think we uh, broke the words per minute record in this particular episode. (laughs) (laughs) Long-winded, but intentional. Thank you guys so much for having me. I've loved it. Glad to have you here. That's it. Well, that's a wrap. And we'll see you next Tuesday. What the fuck are you waiting for? Take what you learned in this episode and do something with it. You'll find all the links and resources we talked about in our show notes for this episode. Go to unfuckmybusiness.com to subscribe to the show.